celebrate God, uh, the God's faithfulness to our church for the past 175 years. Let's just thank God now for everything he's done through our church in that amount of time. The official term for 175th celebration is called a demi-semi-septentennial, uh, and we didn't know whether or not it was a church birthday or a church anniversary. We just know whether you're at an anniversary or whether you're at a birthday, it's always a good occasion to eat cake, right? So we had cake pops prepared for everybody today in your pew. So there should be cake pops beside you today if you registered. If there's not enough for your party that's here today, don't worry. We've had plenty of them made, and you can grab them on your way out. We'll have them out there for you, okay? So we say, let them eat cake, all right? Uh, also, something else that you'll find in your pew this morning is a, a window cling for your car. And it simply says, Jesus changes everything. And it's got our little Bachelor Creek logo there at the bottom, but... We hope that you'll put this in your car, uh, that as you're driving around this community and as people see your car parked or on the road, that it'll just be a reminder that there is one who brings hope. There is one that can change people now and forever, and his name is Jesus. And that's who we want this to point to, nobody but him. So we hope you'll put that in your car as a testament to what Jesus can do in people's life. Speaking of change, We've had to do a lot of changing in our world over the last uh, three months. Change happened at lightning speed, at corporate levels, educational levels, uh, even churches. We had to adapt. And so I just want to say a huge thank you and a shout out today to our church staff who was able to change in a moment's notice uh, with media getting us ready on Sunday mornings with just less than a week's notice with making sure ministry continue to happen in our community in very creative ways. So would you just join me in thanking our ministry staff for all their efforts and everything that they've done. So it was 175 years ago today, June 14, 1845, that a guy named Simeon Lloyd invited other followers of Christ into his home. And that's what started on that day, what became known as the Paul Paul Creek Church. And the vision and the dream of our spiritual ancestors 175 years ago lives on today strong at Bachelor Creek Church of Christ. And there's one who gets credit for it. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the one who 2,000 years ago said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we are just one of millions of churches over the last 2,000 years who've devoted ourselves to serving Jesus and worshiping Jesus. And while we celebrate what God has done in our past, over the past 175 years, we certainly don't want to live there. Because we don't believe that our best days are behind us. We believe that our best days are before us. Amen? And so we believe that the same God who's been faithful over the last 175 years will prove to be faithful 175 years from now until then and thereafter. And the last thing we want is for people to point up Bachelor Creek Church and say, what a great church. No, we don't want that. We want them to point to Jesus and say, what a great Savior who's done a great work among those people. That's who we want the attention to go to. The one with the nail-pierced hands. And so today, today, folks, we celebrate everything that God has done, everything that God will do. Listen to what we read in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7, verse 9. Know therefore... That the Lord your God is God, 
He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. That's what I love about our God, just like Tyler shared in the video. In a world that's constantly changing, in a world that's very unpredictable, our God is the one constant that never changes, and he's very predictable. His love is predictable. His faithfulness is predictable. His steadfastness, his righteousness is predictable. His presence is predictable. We can take heart in what the book of Hebrews says in chapter 13, verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. He's the God who never changes. And that's the God we want to point to. With every baptism that's performed, with every sermon that's preached, with every class that's taught, with every program that's launched, with every brick that's laid, with every dollar that's given, we want it to point to one named Jesus. So today, you're going to hear from people from this church whose lives have been profoundly changed and shaped because of God's faithfulness to this church and how God has moved and worked through the people of Bachelor Creek. But before you hear from some of those people, you're first going to hear from Nancy Crom. Nancy has been at our church ever since she was born. She was born into Bachelor Creek. She cut her teeth on the back of the pews. So you're going to hear from Nancy as she shares with you how she has seen life at Bachelor Creek change in the time that she spent here all her life. So would you please welcome Nancy Crom? I'm going to go off my notes here right off the bat. When they asked us to speak, we were given a time limit because we had to stay on time because there was another service afterwards. Hey, guys, you're the last service. There is no time limit. <laughs> yes, here we go. <laughs> and I am not 175 years old, but I am 75 years old, and I did have the privilege of growing up in Bachelor Creek. Uh, I grew up just a couple miles down the road on 200 North. My maiden name was Kirtland. My brother is Jerry Kirtland, who has been a lifetime member here also. In the era that we grew up, you went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and midweek. We were in the sanctuary that was so hot, you would open the windows. There were sometimes screens and sometimes there weren't, but that didn't matter. When I think about the memories and I think about the old building that is no more, but it was the building where I was baptized, the building where I was married, and it holds a lot of memories. But the memories are really the people and the events that took place within that building. In elementary school, we had wonderful Sunday school teachers that used flannel graph to teach us the Bible stories. We would use Bible drills to learn where we could find things in the scripture. In high school, I'm sorry, um, after our youth meeting, we would go to the basement for our recreation time. We had a shuffleboard painted on the floor and two ping pong tables, and that was it. None of this electronic stuff that they have nowadays. We would have revival meetings, and probably at least once a year, you had church every night for one or two weeks, and you went every night. And you would have guest evangelists in, guest uh, musicians in. They would do spatial things, and one of them would be fill the pew night when you were assigned a pew, and you had to bring enough people with you to fill your pew. We had speakers rigged up outside the church somehow, and they would play chimes on Sunday morning. And on your way to church, you would roll down the car window a little bit, and you could hear the chimes playing, calling you to worship. If you look at pictures of the old building, you will notice out front was the big old bell. 
It's set on a cement base that was probably four feet by three feet, four feet high. It had a step all around on all four sides. All the kids growing up, we have special memories of that bell. It was your safe during uh, tag. It was your timeout when you were playing hide-and-go-seek. It was your meet-me-after-church place. It was where Dad looked for the kids when they couldn't find them. That bell had a lot of spatial memories for us, and that bell now is hanging in the bell tower right outside the doors here. So when you look up and you see that old bell, just remember that to old people like me, it holds a lot of memories. In 1969, we outgrew the building, and construction was started just north of that building on a new sanctuary. My dad happened to be chairman of the building committee, and most of the work on that was done by volunteer labor. And we moved in in May in 1970. We had classrooms for the preschool, and we had a church office. The older children walked back to the old building for their Sunday school. I was 25 years old when that was all taking place. In 1973, we built the educational wing. It had a kitchen, a fellowship hall, and classrooms. And then the old building came down. In 1965, we built what is now the fellowship hall or upstreet, the kitchen, and those were office spaces then. And the first fellowship hall was converted to classrooms. In 1995, we built the sanctuary that we're in now. And the first sanctuary was converted to kids' theater and to classrooms. Later, the office complex was added to the West End, and the first offices were converted to classrooms. So as you see through the years, walls came up and walls came down, making the necessary changes that we needed for this building. But the one thing that hasn't changed through all the decades is the dedication of the men and the women of this congregation, their commitment to God, their commitment to teaching the word as it is written, and God has blessed us for 175 years because of that. Thank you. Nancy actually showed me a picture this last week of um, the construction process happening on that worship center in 1969. And she said that typically a crane would have been used to raise some of the higher beams that they had but they decided that a crane was just too expensive and they wanted to save money. So the men erected some sort of platform that they used to raise those large beams up. And I thought, man, what commitment, you know, to stewardship and to just getting the job done. So neat piece of history that she shared with me. You know, the vision of Bachelor Creek is glorifying God through changed lives. That's what we want to happen here, that when, that when people encounter the living God within the walls of this place, that it just changes the trajectory of their life, not just here, but forever. And when I think about changed lives, one of the people I thought about was Jasper Donaldson, uh, who came to this church as a freshman in high school, and his life has not been the same since then, in a good way. Right, Jasper? So I've asked him to come up and share with you uh, how God has changed his life and faithful to him through the ministry of Batcher Creek. So would you please welcome Jasper Donaldson. Um, hi, my name is Jasper Donaldson, if you don't know me. Um, I've been attending this church for around five years now. Um, also around five years ago, I remember it was a hot summer day, and it was during football practice. We were running to the water. Jensen Frieden said, hey, uh, you want to come to church with me? And I was like, little freshman me was like, yeah, I'll come to church with you. So I uh, came to church and don't really remember the sermon at all, but, um, but 
I remember how nice Bachelor Creek was to me and how welcoming they were and how welcoming the Frieden family was to me coming with them. And so I started attending regularly with them and it was just a great experience. And me and Jensen decided on an Easter Sunday that we would invite my mother. So my mother came with us and uh, she really liked it. And Bachelor Creek was super nice to her and uh, she started coming and so we started going together. Um, when she started coming, I started getting more involved in youth group and uh, uh, student impact and mission trips and CIY. And through these mission trips and CIY and youth group and impacts, I developed many close friendships that would last a lifetime. I would have never imagined having so many great and nice friends from this, um, especially one friend now being my fiance. Um, now I lead a small group with uh, two guys and um, I'm very bad at doing the Zoom calls with them, but I'm trying to get better. But my life has been completely changed from the Bachelor Creek ministry, and it's crazy to think how that came from Jensen doing the good work of Jesus with just a little invitation to Bachelor Creek. Thank you. You know, one of our core values here at Bachelor Creek is this idea that every member is a minister. We believe in the priesthood of all believers, that, that serving in the body of Christ isn't just for a select few, but it's for everyone whose life's been changed and touched and, and made different because of Christ, that Christ has called us to use our hands and our feet for his name's sake outside the walls of this place. And I've seen that happen so many times within this body. I've seen members of this church use their most precious resources, their time, their money, and they just pour it in somebody's life just to bless their socks off. And one of the people I thought about uh, that this has happened, God just laid her on my heart, was Mandy Smallwood. So Mandy's going to come and share this morning how God has used the ministry of Batcha Creek to serve her in her time of need. So won't you welcome Mandy with me? When asked to answer this question, there were several times that came to mind when God used the people of this church to bless my family and me. God tells us to carry one another's burdens, and that's exactly what this church body does. There was a time when my husband and I were in the middle of home improvement projects, and um, his hours were cut to 20 hours a week. And I was in a career that didn't pay well. And we cut out all the expenses that we could, but still felt the stress and worry of making ends meet. People piled into the back of an enclosed trailer and showed up in extreme home makeover style to finish the repairs and projects of our home. This cut down on our heating expenses and allowed our daughter to have a room of her own. And they also threw in a few furniture pieces and gave the downstairs a facelift of paint. Also during that time, someone anonymously paid for my daughter's preschool tuition. So if that was you, thank you. At 13 and a half weeks pregnant, I found out that my second child I had longed for for years, Anna Faith, was no longer alive and growing inside of me. People were there to pray for me, with me and my family, hold us and comfort us, just to sit with me and let me cry. They brought us food, sent cards and texts. They also helped me and loved me through being mad at God for a little while. One person even dropped everything they were doing and came to pray with me before and after the DNC at the hospital. When my marriage was struggling, people walked the journey with us. They prayed daily for us, 
checked in regularly, made it a point to meet with us on a regular basis. They invited us to do things with their family. They allowed me to call or text at all hours of the day and night, never complaining once. When my husband and I separated, I wasn't sure if my daughter and I would still be able to go on the Guatemala mission trip, but money showed up out of nowhere, to the extent of even covering the cost of all the extra expenses. And as the new realities of divorce set in, people were there to embrace us. They would invite Brielle and I to lunch after church or supper before Awana. They took care of maintaining my car and fixing things in my home. People would just so happen to have extra groceries to give to me. If I had more time, I could go on and on about many other times God used the people of this church to bless me and my family. The love God has shown us through hard times is overwhelming. And it's so humbling and awe-inspiring to know that when God started this church 175 years ago, he set in motion who to put inside these walls at just the right time for just the right people. One thing I have learned is to swallow your pride, stay humble, allow others in, and don't steal their joy by refusing help. I've also learned that there is always someone who could use your time, talents, and kindness. Are you looking for that person who God might be asking you to help? I cannot adequately express the amount of love and gratitude I have for the people who are part of my story, and I cannot adequately express my love and gratitude to God and the way he placed those people in our lives and poured out his blessings in immeasurable ways. God is good all the time. You know, another one of our core values here at Batcher Creek is that we value community. We believe that God designed uh, life to be lived alongside one another. And we see this message over and over in the New Testament. That's why we read about all the one another's, because there's this expectation that the followers of Jesus are living life kind of hand in hand and arm in arm. And when I thought about community and how God has blessed uh, people here at the church through community, I thought of Jeff and Deb Culver, uh, who've been here at Batcher Creek for quite a few decades now, and their lives have been so enriched and so blessed by the community of other believers that God has brought into their life. And so I'm going to let you hear what that's meant to them in their own words. So would you please welcome Jeff and Deb Culver with me? Forty-five years ago, we visited Batcher Creek at the invitation of Deb's grandma. We were very young parents of a two-year-old and knew we needed to be in church. A week later, Dave Stokes, senior minister at the time, visited our home and shared the plan of salvation straight from God's Word. That very night, we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior and wanted to be baptized. It was almost midnight, but Dave drove us to Basher Creek only to find the baptistry drained for cleaning. Dave said, we don't dry clean. So we drove to Treaty where we were baptized and born again. There was Jesus. We were introduced to other believers our age, immediately formed a bond, and began attending midweek Bible study. Now we call them community groups. These brothers and sisters in Christ became our family. We grew up together. We raised our children together. We walked through valleys together and also climbed mountaintops. 
To this day, 45 years later, we're still in community with these dear brothers and sisters. There was Jesus. When Deb began, was being diagnosed with MS, we sat in Dr. Lyon's office at the clinic, not sure what the future looked like for us, and was a little anxious. Okay, very anxious. The first thing Dr. Lyons and Betty asked was if they could pray for us right then and there. No doctor had ever done that for us. They were members at Basher Creek. There was Jesus. We've been blessed to serve in various ministries here at Basher Creek. In the past 30 plus years, teaching twos and three, two and three year olds. Some mornings we go home exhausted after corralling 20 and 30, two and three year olds. But just seeing their little faces light up, hearing Bible stories and giving hugs makes it all worthwhile. There was Jesus. We've both lost our mothers, fathers, and brothers. Our Christian family was right there beside us, praying and comforting our family. Like only believers can, we honestly don't know how anyone goes through this without the Lord. His plan is not always our plan, but it is a perfect plan. There was Jesus. The church is our family, not a building. We've seen lots of changes in 45 years, but one thing that never changes is God's faithfulness. He continues to bless this church with amazing ministers, leaders, and members. We're so grateful that we accepted the invitation to attend Basher Creek on a Sunday morning in 1975. But we're most grateful for the invitation that Jesus offers for eternity. Jesus offers that same invitation to all of you. You just need to accept his invite. You will be blessed beyond measure. He's a good, good father. Jesus is here. Philippians 4.13 says, We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Amen and God bless. You know, I remember when I was attending college in Kentucky, uh, the eastern part of Kentucky, which was about five and a half, six hours from my home. I remember lamenting to my dad uh, on different occasions about how I hated only being able to see my fiance, Alicia, only once a month or once every six or eight weeks, and just how I hated how we couldn't be together more often. And I remember my dad saying something to me that I'll never forget. Maybe some of you have heard this before. He said, well, Solomon, just remember, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? Didn't really help any at the time, right? But I understood what he meant, and I see the wisdom in that. See, it's been three months since we've been able to come together as a body. And that's why whenever we had sign-up start, uh, there were some of you who were trying to register before we even were having registrations open because you just missed the gathering together so much. And I wonder if maybe that's a good thing that God allowed to happen in our churches, that we closed down for three months to help us remember once again this is why we gather, and to help us appreciate one another at a deeper level. You know, sometimes you can hear what people think about something just by listening for key words. You can pick up what their thoughts are about something. 
And over time as a minister, I've been able to pick up what people, how they view church at times, just by listening for certain things in the conversation. And I've come to figure out that people view church in quite a variety of ways. Some people view church like a movie theater. It's about entertainment. You come in, you, you grab your concessions at the coffee and the donuts, right? You make your way in, ready to hear some good music and some good singing, and you hope to hear a message that makes you laugh, makes you cry, motivates you, you know, stimulates you to go do some good. Truth of the matter is, folks, though, church was never meant to be like a movie theater that entertains us. Some people view church kind of like a restaurant, you know, where you come in and you see yourself as the consumer and that other people are supposed to serve you and wait on you and kind of pamper you and meet your needs, right? That your job is to consume, and after you're fed, you just leave. Church was never meant to be like a restaurant either where it's all about people serving me. I've come to learn over time, church is really one thing. It's family. It's brothers and sisters united under the the blood of Jesus Christ coming together. Some of us beaten up when we come together. Some of us weary when we come together, feeling like the world has just given us a gut punch. And we come in the family of believers. And through worshiping together and talking with one another and praying with one another, We pour love and we pour encouragement upon one another's lives. As Jeff and Deb said, when there's funerals here at the church, I've seen our church members rally around those who remain from that family. And they hug them and they pray with them and they weep with them and they bring them food and they stand in line at the funeral home for two and three hours if necessary just to express the love of Christ. Why? Because that's what family does. There's a scripture from second or first Peter chapter two. Here's what he says. He says here, show proper respect to everyone. So everybody's worthy of your respect in this world, okay? No matter who they are, show proper respect to everyone. Then here's what he says. Love the family of believers. It goes beyond just respecting one another. It it turns into loving one another. And I hope that's something that we remember when we partake of the Lord's Supper. See, sometimes I think that we, we, we think that the Lord's Supper is a vertical thing. It's all about me and God. It's just about communing with God at that moment. But Scripture makes it very clear, folks, that communion is not just about this. It's about this. It's about strengthening that bond and that unity that we have with the brothers and sisters in Christ. It's about remembering that just as Jesus loved me enough to die for me, I'm supposed to love and respect my brothers and sisters in Christ. That just as Christ sacrificed himself and laid down his life for me, that I'm supposed to lay my life down for you, lay my resources down for you, lay my time down for you in your time of need. So I'm going to ask right now that you take the pre-packed communion that's in your pew for you this morning and you peel back the bread And when we hold this bread, we remember the body of Christ. Listen to what Paul says here in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17. 
He says here, because there is one loaf, we who are many, we're all individuals, we're all separate, we're all unique. We who are many are one body. We become one under the blood of Christ that covers your sins and my sins. For we all share the one loaf. With that being said, let's remember the broken body of Christ now as we partake together. You know, there's an old saying, maybe some of you have used it before, that says blood is what? Thicker than water. That means if we share blood, that relationship is stronger than any other relationship. That relationship deserves more allegiance than any other relationship in my life. And of a truth, folks, we share the blood of Christ. That unity in Christ supersedes every other distinguishing thing about it. It transcends race and gender and socioeconomic status. It transcends all those things. That in Christ, you and I are one. We are family. So in recognition of the fact that Jesus died to make us family and the price he paid so that we could have that brotherhood and sisterhood, so that he could reinforce what Paul said, that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, that in Christ we are what? We are one. Let's drink in remembrance of the sacrifice that it cost to make that a reality. Now, would you pray with me? Father, we come today acknowledging your faithfulness to this church in the past. And it's never about whether or not you will be faithful. Faithfulness, Lord, works both ways. It's about whether we will be faithful to you. I pray, Lord, for this church here and now, and I pray for future generations of, of ministers that serve in this church and elders that serve in this church and deacons who serve this church and members who fill this church, that we will be sold out to the things that you are sold out to, that we will not compromise, that we will not uh, cower under any kind of pressure, no matter where it comes from, that we will always stand upon the word of God. We will always preach the gospel of Jesus and not in a, any kind of a tainted or selfish way, but in a way that only points to you receiving the glory. I pray, Lord, for the, the, the men and women who will serve in this church in the future, that their hands will continue to change lives, that their teaching will continue to shape little minds and little hearts as they work with our kids, and that this church will be a presence in our community that people can look to for hope and inspiration and life change. I pray, Lord, that this can be a place where people can find family. And they come under the same blood that we come under. So, Father, we pray for continued faithfulness to you as you've been faithful to us. We thank you for our Savior who died so that we could be family. And we pray, Lord, that we'll continue to add to that family until we meet you again. This is our earnest prayer that we pray in the name of Jesus.
whose blood we share. In his name, amen.